Welcome back to the Black Menace Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Weaver, and I am here with my other host, Nate Bird. We are so glad to be with you guys again this week. Sorry about the delay last week. That was um, my fault. We won't spend too much time marinating on that, but I did want to address that from the, the previous week. We kind of took a week off, but we are back full force every week here on the Black Menace Podcast. Um, so we're going to start with our Menace Moment, and for this week... Our Menace Moment is actually very recent and actually current news. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be about two weeks after. But current as we are recording this, our Menace, for, our menace Moment for this week is highlighting Rachel Richardson, who was the Duke volleyball player who came and played at BYU and had racial slurs said to her while she was playing. But she was so brave in coming out and sharing her story and not just sharing her story to call BYU out but if you read her um, statement that she released on her Instagram she said that we are calling BYU up which I love menaces you know that can look like calling people up to live to the higher standard that they claim to and to help people to meet them where we are right like we're up here and trying to be anti-racist and in our inclusion and we want BYU to meet us where we are and so I love that call up um, phrase that she wrote in her um, post Nate, any words about our wonderful menace for this week, Rachel? Yeah, I also love the way that Rachel Richardson handled the situation and the way that she talked about the situation. Uh, she made it a point not to badmouth um, anyone in particular. You know, she uh, emphasized how respectful the BYU players were and how there was no issue between them. She uh, emphasized how the coach of the BYU volleyball team and the athletic director came to meet her. And she really just shared that, you know, it wasn't really an issue with individuals. Um, you know, in, in athletics, but more so just kind of an issue with that with that person and with um, the way that it was handled in that moment. But the way that she's been able to talk about it um, has been really good and really, I guess, insightful. And it was kind of nice to see someone else's perspective on the university uh, from the outside mm-hmm. looking in. So shout out to her. I don't know if she's ever going to hear this, but yeah, <laughs> love and respect, Rachel. Yeah. And um, just kind of commenting on that. I know we had talked about sharing a little bit about this, Nate, before we started recording, but as the weeks and days have gone on since the incident, since she um, spoke out publicly and BYU Athletics released their statement, there have been different people who are spinning different narratives about what the air quote truth is and what really happened at the game there are people who claim that were at the game and they said they didn't hear anything even though there were five thousand over five thousand people there and i know with the noise not all everyone at different positions in the smithfield house heard everything and there are people saying different things and coming out and saying be what you did do something xyz and my kind of thoughts on this whole like people trying to share a new narrative so we can say about this incident is it doesn't really matter I believe the victim, Rachel, I believe her story, and I'm going to listen to someone who um, felt unsafe. I'm going to listen to her experience. I'm going to believe that person, and I'm going to call BYU up according to that, and I'm not going to use these outside narratives that are truly protecting BYU, its image, and air quote, trying to get the right truth out, which is just weird language to me, because when in a situation with a victim, it doesn't matter. In these types of situations, it doesn't really matter the truth, because what matters is how Rachel felt. If she felt unsafe, that's what BYU should have been addressing. Mm-hmm. And as a black person, I know how that feels to have someone question what you know happened, how how you know you felt in a situation, and to have white people question and say that that didn't truly happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had something I was going to say. What was it? 
I also think um, that is, you know, regardless of what happened in the situation, you know, there's a lot of people saying that it didn't happen and things like that, which is, is ridiculous. Um, I believe Rachel as well. Uh, but I also think that, you know, regardless of this situation, this uh, this event, I think it's more important to look at the university as a whole and the fact that things like this continue to happen. This is not just a one-time thing. This, this wasn't the first time this has happened at BYU. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a student who said the N-word in a class. Uh, last year, there were some students who said it in a panel. Um, and, you know, um, there have been other instances of students wearing blackface. There's always something of this sort going on on campus. Um, and not all of it makes national news like this event did. But uh, it needs to be addressed overall. And the university definitely needs to do a better job of working to to make those changes. And so we'll see what happens with the Office of Belonging that they just opened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see how well that works and if it actually creates a space for, uh, for students to belong. But uh, hopefully this is something that BYU can definitely work on in the future. Yep. With that being said, today... <laughs> We decided to go in a different direction. We're actually going to talk more about some of the good things about BYU, the Mm -hmm. things that we experienced there, um, some of the things that we're going to miss as graduates, because both Rachel and I are now um, graduates of the university, just Mm -hmm. about. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about our experiences at BYU. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea just because we had a conversation earlier this week with with an individual who was kind of like, we want to highlight the good that BYU is doing, right? And BYU institutionally definitely has issues Mm -hmm. but i also think that individually i've had some really positive informative and formative experiences for me in my 20s that i don't think would i wouldn't be the person i am today without them and so i want to have us kind of talk about some of those positive experiences and especially with us leaving you know graduating college and going on to the next stage of life and working full-time is so emotional at least it is for me I don't know about Nate but I'm very emo all the time about it and um I love to reminisce and um I'm sad to leave behind certain things about my college years because it is you know I kind of got to live off of someone else's dime and have a good time and also not really be a full adult because you're like a half adult right because people are like okay you're on your own but also you have the fallback of being I'm a college student and people will let you mess up people will let you fall and be there to support you and I feel like this post-grad life having a full-time job I will not have the same grace it's like you're a full adult now you have a full salary you need to step up to the plate so (laughs) yeah for sure for me personally I love the college experience but I hated college itself I hated going to class man (laughs) and yeah I don't know maybe it was just because of the classes I was in or you know the the things because at BYU you got to take religion classes and there's generals and stuff and I couldn't stand those I did enjoy a lot of the psychology classes that I took psychology of gender I'll say that was my favorite psychology class on campus loved it (laughs) took it from a great professor she made me feel very safe and thinking back on some of the things that I said in that class I was like man I was really feeling safe in that class (laughs) I would never have said this anywhere else but um, so shout out to her for making it a great environment and um, yeah just uh, the experiences that I'll take away from BYU the most have to do with the people that I met um, you know through my years there and the interactions I was able to have mainly with with black people and other people of color but not just them you know i also had a lot of good experiences with um with white people that i met my freshman year and you know throughout my university times so yeah i mean there was a lot of good 
that came out of BYU as well. Yeah. Now, would I recommend that somebody else go there? That's a whole different story. Right. But um, asterisks there if you do go. (laughs) I wouldn't change my experience for the world. Yeah, I'm with you, Nate. I feel like I really enjoyed my program. I was a sociology major, and I love sociology. I think everyone should be required to take at least like two or three classes in their lifetime because it just helps you to understand institutions and the way they interact with people and how they impact all of us. I would die on this hill, and it's made me more critical of institutions overall and what they owe us. Um, but yeah, I feel like I really, really enjoyed my time. I loved all of my professors. They are some of the most empathetic people I've ever met in my entire life. Most understanding, welcoming, accepting. If you are a student from a marginalized identity and you go to BYU, the sociology program is safe for you. It may not be your major, but you can definitely make it your minor. And being in those classes um, will really help you. So that was one of the most positive experiences I had at BYU. And also just being with the other black people, going to BSU. I loved BSU. I was there mostly every week unless I had too much homework. And I really needed that community. And I appreciate that community and all the fun times and the random stuff we would do. Uh, when I was on my mission, I know they did while and out. I wasn't here for that. Ooh, that I wish. Oh, I know. Man. I've heard so many good things. And th- we've tried to recreate it, but I've just heard it has never been the same. Mm-hmm. But that activity, that was in what, like 2018? Still to this day, or like 2019, yeah. it still goes down like the history books of BSU. <laughs> People yeah. still talk about it. And I'm like, I'm mad that I wasn't here for that. That was a good <laughs> one. And we had a particularly special group that year. That was, uh, we called them just the freshman crew. Because it was just, we had a bunch of, of black freshmen come in and they were just live, man. They had a lot of energy. They had a lot of, of um, I guess, just optimism. The year about after the me, that's, yeah. I'm mad. Because <laughs> yeah. my year, I was the only black freshman who came to BSU. But. Yeah, they all came in and it was just a blast. And a lot of them were, not all, but like a lot of them were Haitian American and mm. they just came from different parts of the country. And they just brought a whole new energy to BSU that we loved. I was the president of BSU that year. Yeah, we had a good time with that activity. So, yeah, for that one, the freshmen took over the activity, and they did a wild and out. And so we had a bunch of different activities. Somebody got hit in the face with a pie full of whipped cream. Yeah. Uh, we played, what, Plead the Fifth or whatever. Yeah, which I heard got really spicy. <laughs> it did get spicy. <laughs> which we, we know too much about each other. Mm-hmm. And the BCU, like the black community is very small here. It is. Too yeah. small. And so we know too much mm-hmm. to play Plead the Fifth. <laughs> don't go on a date with nobody. Well, if you do, we're going to all know. And then we're we're swapping individuals at this point, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all, like, low-key sister wives, Eskimo (laughs) sisters, because, Ah. look, let me tell you, in Utah, BYU, I've just not taken it personally if a guy I go on a date with or talk to has talked to or gone on a date with my friend. Because Mm. at this point, that's just how it is if it's a black person. Yeah, that's very true. Of course, if you branch out, then it gets different. But with the, as I say, black people in the cut. Mm-hmm. The person that I had was previously with, um, he was an in the cut black person. I felt like <laughs> <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, if you want to date somebody who hasn't been with other people in a black community, date an in the cut black person. Yeah. It's someone who's aware and they're there, but they're just mad busy and they mm-hmm. don't come around as much. Not because they don't want to. I mean, no offense, these people who are in the cut, they do have some underlying identity issues. Warning, warning. Anyway, um, but most of them, <laughs> most of them um, are decently aware of themselves and their blackness, but mm-hmm. they just being a cut busy, them, them are the ones you should get with. <laughs> for sure. So keep an eye out for them in the cut folks. Some of the people you see when you're walking on campus, you're like, I, have I seen, I see them a lot, but I don't ever see them around. Let me, let me go. Let me and go and when up. you talk to them, they're cool. They're chill. They're not mm-hmm. like avoiding you. They're not ducking you. Right. They're just mad busy. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. There are other people that will duck you. 
and just avoid eye contact, whatnot. Like that black guy we saw today earlier on campus? Yeah. Homie was, he was doing his own thing. But shoot, that goes back to my freshman year. So I... I was, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know what a Black Student Union was until I got to college. I, my upbringing was interesting. My parents went to an HBCU, and they talked about it a little bit, but it certainly, like, I was never encouraged to go to an HBCU. It was always, you're, you're going to go to BYU, and that was the only school I applied to, so that's where I went, right? And then getting here, they're like, we're going to get you connected with the BSU, and I was like, the what? The what now? Who? Because I was just, you know, <laughs> going to come in and, and do my own thing and, and, you know, have fun or whatever, and I realized... Um, that the BSU, I realized quickly that was something that I needed. So I got out here, I got involved with Black Student Union, and then my freshman year, I was here I was, little 17-year-old me, and they asked me to be in the presidency. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but sure, I'll take it on. And so I was the vice president of advertising, which meant that I was um, supposed to help people come to BSU. And so all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I went to the library, I downloaded some... Oh, I'm so dead. <laughs> yeah, I went to the library, I downloaded some um, little cheesy clip art like black art from off the internet i definitely bootleg somebody's art oh gosh and i put it on a flyer <laughs> and i printed it out and i print them put it on a little piece of paper and four flyers and i printed them out and i went to cougar creations and i got them on uh, some, some not cougar creations <laughs> uh, yeah it's a little print shop on campus i went there and i printed them out and i cut them out all individually and i kept them in my backpack everywhere i went and literally if you have seen me freshman year 18 years old chasing down black people every time i see them, I'm like, hey Hey, I was always I was over like there. courage. I, I saw you in black, 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 black. So here's a flyer, Black Student Union, and uh, pull out my flip phone because I had a flip phone at the time. Not I was the like, flip phone, your phone Give me your phone number, and I'll text you. I'll put you in the text group. But I, I tell me why I was running a hundred person text group out of my flip phone. My what? freshman year, texting everybody every Tuesday. I'm about, Come to BSU. We low-key should do something like that. We really should. I mean, we got the group me and the Instagram. Uh, but I feel like it's not the that. same. That's true. That's very true. But yeah, text group could be good. Maybe we'll look into that. Not yeah. that we go y'all, do. Y'all, we say we like we're involved. Right. It's y'all. I will, them. Yeah, I will not be on campus more than I have to be. Yeah, we them. we actually went back to campus today. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Experience. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> negative. 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 Mm-hmm. More so, the negative. The negativity was internal. I would say yes. it was just like, oh, I don't like being here. Um, but we got a lot of love. That was a weird thing too. Well, yeah, just realizing how uncomfortable we felt on the inside, mm-hmm. but then like the outward love made it yeah. very strange. Mm-hmm. It was strange because on the inside we're very conflicted. On the outside we got people coming up to us left and right. Hey, black ministers, we love your videos. We love you guys. And mm-hmm. We we love the love, right? We love. We that. sure and do. And, and come up that. to us if you see us. Don't mm-hmm. let this deter you if you're Absolutely, listening. Yeah. We want to know our supporters. Yeah. If anything, knowing that we got support on campus makes it easier. But yeah, it was weird to kind of balance those two, getting all this external support while feeling all this internal conflict and like uncomfortability. Yeah. Is that a word? Yeah, I mean, especially after everything this summer and mm-hmm. the, with this recent event yeah. and just graduating and feeling mentally um, separated from BYU and then being back in that space very quickly, it was clear how much in a short amount of time really has changed, which is weird. Cause I just feel like I was just on campus in June. Like we were just there filming, but it felt very different. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it felt very different than last time I was on campus recording. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was because it was full again and just seeing all the LDSness. <laughs> I'm sorry, just seeing all the LDSness. You know, just talking about missions and the Bermuda shorts and the thank you in the mountains you know just stuff like that just really male pattern baldness can't forget that (laughs) and the babies and the marriages and the all the freaking yeah just stuff like that just makes you be like dang this is a different like this space is really not for me anymore Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's very different. And having been on a lot of other campuses, I can definitely attest that BYU is unique in its uh, in the way mm-hmm. that it's it's set up. You go in there and you see a lot of interesting things, but you don't see a lot of diversity. Um, you know, going to other campuses. I remember I went to a campus a few months ago, and I was just kind of in shock. I was like, "Whoa, this place feels not like I forgot what it felt like to be on a." for lack of a better word, like a real campus, mm. you know, where there were like resources for queer students, there were resources for minority students. There were areas where students could be, um, where it wasn't overly crowded. And, you know, it just was a different experience. It was a different vibe than BYU is for sure. I don't even know how to really explain it, but BYU is, is an interesting place. A mm. lot of good memories there because of the people that I interacted with, but the university itself I don't know if I missed that too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like the, especially after the, the incident this last week with Rachel Richards, just seeing the lack of institutional awareness, it's just, I think that's really hard. And I think it'll be hard wherever I go for the rest of my life as someone who identifies with marginalized identities. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's going to that's gonna be hard no matter where I go. But just right now, I think it's just too compounded for me to have compassion and understanding and be like, oh, okay, I understand why you're making those. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't. It's it's over. We're done. And, yeah, I think that that's the hard part for me. That I'm like, mm. see, I've given you grace for a long time, long time. And now I feel like I that, that grace has run up and you need to start putting your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. So what have been some of like the most profound, like life-changing experiences that you've had at BYU? You go first, I'll share mine. Okay, I think being a part of the Civil Rights Seminar. Ooh, how was mine? Mm-hmm. Was that going to be yours? Yep. Okay, we can both talk about it for different reasons, obviously. But um, for those who don't know, BYU has seminars for different multicultural groups. So they have one for the Civil Rights Movement. They have one for Latino Civil Rights. And then I know they have one for Native American students now, and they're working on an Asian American slash Pacific Islander one. And you don't have to be a part of these marginalized communities to be in the seminar, but you have to, if you are not a part of the marginalized identity, you have to kind of be very invested and show your interest in what you would gain because you kind of are taking a spot from someone that could be a part of that community. And so these seminars are run by normally a combination of professors, whether that be history, sociology, different disciplines, and the College of Family, Home, and Social Sciences. And they teach you about the history of civil rights in that particular group. And then they take you on a trip to visit historical sites significant to that particular um, his civil rights group. And so we did the African-American one at different years. And it's just... I don't know, I guess we both could share a little bit at the same time since we're talking about the same thing, but it's just really transformative because at least my year, it was all black students, which I heard they hadn't had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was all black students. And not that that's again, oh no, just kidding. Sane is Pacific Islander. She was in it, but Sane is honorary. She's honorary. <laughs> I, I forget that she's not black sometimes, but um, yeah. And so we, just being in that class and you meet once a week Fridays um, for one hour and that's it and then you on the trip and so that's how the hours the credits balance out but it just I don't know how to describe it it just being able to know that I had that safe space once a week with all black students in a classroom setting it just it was very different because I've been going to BSU my entire time at BYU I'm a sociology major one of the most open liberal majors on campus I've always felt like I could speak in, about whatever I wanted there but again just having all black classmates 
and then half the faculty that were in the class were black as well. It just felt like home. And they quickly became my family and I got very close to everyone in my group. And I don't, I wish I they offered this, I could have taken it earlier because it really had, it's just confirmed things to me about myself and my ancestry and my lineage that made me more proud of who I am, but also um, gave me kind of a new family through the people that I met, mm-hmm. that I was with, and the support system. And we were just talking in our group chat today with all of our professors who were in it and advisors, and it's it's just something almost indescribable. And then going to Alabama, which is where I served my mission, for those who don't know, which was, again, it was like a double emotional experience because it's like I'm going back to the state where I taught people about Christ and had these very transformative experiences, but now I'm going back learning about kind of the, the other side of things and thinking, wow, how many people did I teach family supported the KKK, stuff like that, mm. and I'm um, dealing with a lot of emotional things. But I don't know what you want to share about the Civil Rights Seminar, Nate. Uh, it's yeah. very good. It is. It's an incredible experience, and it actually was very life-changing for me in that it's where I decided that I wanted to go into law. And so, Purr. Yeah, so it was there. I was actually at the Equal Justice Initiative. It was on a Sunday, and I just remember going there. And if you haven't been to the Equal Justice, Equal Justice Initiative or heard about it, it's a, it's a nonprofit, and it's, a, I guess, a display or like a, I don't even know what you would call it. It's a memorial. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's a memorial. Um, created by Brian Stevenson. Um, so he came and spoke at BYU a couple of years ago, actually the same year that I went on the seminar. And he, um, you know, he just recently had his book and his movie um, that have gained a lot of acclaim. Um, so Just Mercy. So I definitely recommend reading that. It's an excellent read. But um, he created a memorial to all of the Black Americans that have been lynched in the United States. Um, you know, since I believe going all the way back to the 1800s, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, and he did it by county. So every county has um, has a plaque or a, I guess, a memorial piece of, of metal. And it's uh, it's made to be the color of, of, of brown skin. And um, you see it, and it has all of these names for each state and for each county in that state. And uh, seeing all of those names represented and just seeing how many people were lynched, yeah. uh, it's, it's really sombering or... You know, it's a very powerful experience. And so I remember being extremely quiet, extremely kind of withdrawn into myself. And, you know, we took a picture. And if you go back and look at the picture, I'm not smiling at all. And they were like, you know, smile. And I was like, how am I supposed to smile while sitting here in the midst of this? You know, this is not a place where I feel happy. This is a place where I feel like a weight. This is a place where I feel grief. But it's also a place where I feel like immense hope. Right. So I had all those things going on in my head. And that's where I made the decision. I was like, man, I want to. You know, I want to do something like this. Um, you know, I want to be able to do this kind of work. I want to be able to help people who are marginalized uh, to feel empowered. And so that's where I decided I wanted to go into law school, right? And so that's what I've been working towards. Now I'm studying for the LSAT. Um, yes, Nate. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, I would say that that trip, you know, changed a lot of, you know, it changed the tra- trajectory. Tra- it changed the trajectory of my life in a lot of positive ways that um, I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a great experience, and the, you know, the professors that I went with, um, you know, they really created a safe space in that little classroom every week for that whole semester. And mm-hmm. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Brandon came our year, you know. Yeah, and I know. Y'all, y'all's year was okay, live. Okay, our year, was, Your year live, was live. Man, I was like, man, I wish I could have gone. Yeah, Nate was yeah. wishing, bro, because <laughs> we had a good group. Like, yeah. 
it was in our Brandon just was a breath of fresh air that we needed because we had mm-hmm. all our professors. You know, we have Ryan, Anthony, Leslie, Rebecca, who are just you know academics. They're all professors and mm-hmm. very great at what they do. And then you have um, Lita, who's you know like she's a ther- trained therapist, so she's there. And mm-hmm. Lita's always you know giving us a little spiritual boost, like bringing Jesus into everything, giving Black Grandma. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Brandon, who's like Brandon's. In, I'm, is he like in his forties? Maybe uh, he's under forty. I think he's like late thirties. Yeah, he's late thirties, so he's young. Mm-hmm. And Brandon's just like a cool guy. He yeah. works in the athletic department with the football team, and he knows how to relate to us so well. Like he feels like an uncle to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just felt like again, he felt like family so quickly. And Brandon's just hilarious, mm-hmm. and he's such like a jokester. Yeah, and is. it felt like he was a student on the trip the whole time. And so <laughs> it was, it was great having him there. And um, I, yeah, I think back to that so fondly. And I wish I could go again. They just texted us. Anthony just texted in our group today. He was like, the application's out, recommend it to people. And we were all like, we wish we could apply again and Mm -hmm. do it all over again because it was just that group. I just, I think back to that and I'm like, I just smile because the days there were just so fun. And every week it was just great to have a community that you knew at the, even if you had no one to talk to about everything. And this semester that I went was during the, when all the Brad Wilcox stuff went down. So that was much needed having everyone there um, supporting. Mm -hmm. Any other transformative experiences or people? Because I feel like that that was my main one. I mean, I have something else I could share too if you want. I mean, yeah, other transformative experiences, you're probably going to talk about perspectives. I can, but that's not what I was going to say. Okay, I can talk a little bit about that. So we have this thing at BYU also called Perspectives. We do it in Black History Month, usually towards the end. And uh, it's really just a celebration of black culture and black history. And every year they have a different theme. It's put on by the, the Multicultural Student Services Office and by the Black Student Union. And so, you know, we'll put together a STEP team and we have performances from people in the STEP team and other students who want to participate, or not step in the Black Student Union and other students who want to participate. And it just always, it, it ends up being such a great experience every year. And, you know, we get to practice for different things. There's a choir, a gospel choir. And so really you get to to be a part of preparing for this you get to do your own personal expressions we have people do poems we have people do songs um you know i've, I've sung a few times yeah um, he did good do skits somebody did a comedy set oh yeah you know just black <laughs> joy we love that right it's just a great time and you know every year it gets bigger and bigger um you know we first started off we were in a tiny little room well not first i wasn't there for the first one but i remember when i first got to byu we were in a tiny room on the third floor of the student administration building the wilkinson center and um you know, a couple of years later, we were down in like the big amphitheater where, you know, you can sit, seat, you know, 5,000 people, 3,000 people. Um, and so, you know, it's just been able to grow from a couple hundred people in attendance to thousands of people in attendance every year to where it's standing room only. People are all Yeah, like the year that I got back from my mission, February 2020, mm-hmm. before everything went to crap, literally the whole, like, it was fire. Yeah. Like, they, they were like, this is a fire hazard mm-hmm. because there were no more seats. Yeah, there are so many people. They still won't let us sell tickets, but that's another issue. Yeah, we won't talk about mm-hmm. that. But yeah, so I mean, it's, it's <laughs> this been is great a positive. To <laughs> this is a positive episode. <laughs> this is, this is, we're talking about the good stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so it, that was that's always been great. Just seeing that grow and being able to be a part of something yeah. like that and express. It's really one of those times of the year where we get to express our our joy. We yep. get to express our pain. We get to express our our love and our hurt and our anger. You know, all of that we get to express in these performances that we do. And, um, you know, in the in the the things that take part of the show. 
And so being able to participate in that, I was able to be in it, I think, like three different times. And man, I always love that. And, yeah. you know, you, you grow close relationships with the people that you're performing with. And when you go to practice every week and you're all working towards mm-hmm. the same goal and you're planning and you're, you're getting mad at each other, yeah, but mm-hmm, all those kinds it works of things. Out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and there's so many great stories that come from that. And yeah, it's always good. Yeah. So yeah, perspectives definitely recommend that you go to that. It's going to be in February. Keep an eye out for it. I'll and, be there. Uh, now I'm definitely going to that cause I'm, oh. I'll still be in the Utah area. Oh, yeah, so I'll be around. I'm going to be front row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Screaming Best believe. for my peeps. Yep. Yelling for um, all the people. Yeah. And, and I, I love seeing it expand. Right. And, I think when it first started, it was really just kind of focused on the sad parts about blackness and the diaspora, but it's really expanded. And I think like it definitely has space for all parts of whatever you want to share. But I love that we've, you know, centered more on the joyful parts. Like I love that we do the fashion show. That was Taylor's idea. Mm -hmm. And that is now a staple of perspectives. And I love it because everyone's able to, different parts of the diaspora have different cultural wear, right? African-Americans, we kind of, we do everything, okay? Mm-hmm. We started everything. We take a little bit of everything. Okay, yeah. we, we we make all the trends, okay? And then we've got, like, people from the Caribbean, people from the islands, and we have people from Africa, different countries. We have, like, East versus Western Africa. Mm-hmm. And seeing that, and I just, I really, I love the fashion show because we're just able to see people express what blackness means to them and what it has meant to them before coming to BYU, which I've said this several times, I was not aware of how blackness could look so many different ways because I was Mm -hmm. only exposed to African-Americans growing up and a few people from the continent of Africa, but not really. And so coming to BYU, I've learned a ton and I've grown in my knowledge and understanding of what blackness can look like. And so I love it because I too learned from things like perspectives yeah that's something i was going to bring up too is um the exposure that i got to different parts of the african diaspora right being able to meet people um, who have haitian american background who are actually you know came from the continent of africa from a country in africa to the united states people who Mm -hmm. are from the caribbean you know people from all these different places uh, from dominican republic right and being able to realize okay blackness looks more than one way Mm -hmm. you know um one of our really good friends was like a huge Disney buff. And I remember thinking, that's kind of weird to be like a, Disney. like that's not, you can't be black and Disney. Fan. And then I was like, but that's okay. Like blackness looks different in so yep. many different ways. And you know, I'm big, I'm like, I'm a big nerd. You know, I watch Star Wars, Indiana Jones, comic books, like all that Love kind of it. stuff, big into Marvel, right? And so, you know, I've got my way of being black and somebody else has their way of being black. And then, you know, there are things that we agree on, things that we disagree on. And that's okay for the most part. There are some things where I think like, it's, you really shouldn't be disagreeing on. And if you do disagree on that, it just means that you're not fully informed. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to racism, if you are black and you believe that racism doesn't exist or if it's not really a big issue, then that's something that you got to look on within yourself. But aside from that, disagreeing on different things because you have a different perspective on life and you came from a different place, I've learned how to accept that and how to like expand my way of thinking to include other people's ways of thinking and ways of being. So I really appreciate that about the experience that I've had with the black um, community at BYU. Yeah, and, and I'll miss that. And I think I'm excited to move to other parts of the United States because I think other parts are better at it than maybe where I grew up. Um, and I'm excited to be on the East Coast because there's more Im- immigrants from other African nations. And I think now it's one in every five black people are not from the, are not African-American. And so that's like increasing day by day, you know. And so I'm excited to continue to learn that, but I do really appreciate that about my college years. And, I, and I'm and i gonna miss perspective so much because that time of year is so tiring. Like I swear mm-hmm. I get no sleep but I also think it's one of the most rewarding times for me and has been 
the staple in so much of my life from December until end of February of end of Black History Month. And I'm really going to miss not being a part of that. And I have huge FOMO, like major FOMO. So it's going to be real hard this February, at least especially being in the state of Utah and not being a part of it. I'm big crying on the inside like dang not them having gospel choir practice without me <laughs> not me being mad though but i'm not a student so why are you mad you know like <laughs> i'm going to take like an african dance class or something to i guess feel that part of me that needs something <laughs> happening <laughs> For real. Um, um i think the only thing that i wanted to talk about transformative for me personally was meeting the one and only jacob Rue. Mm. i've talked about him several mm. times and he is a go-to professor, as Nate said, um, at BYU. And I met him my first semester at BYU. I forget how I even got in contact with him. Somebody said, this professor's from Chicago, too. Email him. So I, like, emailed him, 18-year-old me. We chatted in his office for two hours. He's like, take my class. Took his class. It was great. He offered me a research assistant position my second semester, which is, like, I have no experience doing this. I know nothing about sociology or research, but I did what he asked me to do. And he just has really catapulted my confidence. And he's always been someone who continues, you know, he's coming up on over 12 years. I think this is his 10-year anniversary at BYU um, teaching this this year. And he is just an anchor really for the minority community, not just black students. He rallies for Latino students. Um, students who are DACA recipients, undocumented students. He is just there for anyone um, with a marginalized identity. He is there to support you. And I think BYU would be at a very, if he ever left, they would be in shambles in a lot of ways. This man, he's Ivy League. What do you go to? He went to Princeton. Princeton. He doesn't like to tell people this, but he went Mm -hmm. to Princeton. He went to BYU. Look, I know his whole like um, CV. So he got his bachelor's degree at BYU in econ, then his master's degree in um, public, what do you call it? A real urban regional planning, Princeton. Got his master's, uh, his PhD in sociology, also Princeton. Mm-hmm. And he's published multiple articles, multiple points yes. of research. Like he is a well, like well respected professor within the, like the. He has tenure. Yeah, yeah, tenure. He got tenure yeah. like a while, a long time mm-hmm. ago. Like, yeah. and this was his first professor job. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this man, he is. He's no joke in his class. Um, you know, he teaches sociology 323 for those of you that go to BYU. I, if you are white or black, Latino, Asian, you need to take this class, right? Um, it's become a staple for black students, almost like a little rite of passage for anybody yeah. in BSU. No, literally, it's like, you class. didn't take that? Right, it's like, <laughs> you, need, like, you know, everybody who takes it is like, you need to go and take this class um, because it teaches you so much about the realities of, of, of racism and discrimination and prejudice in America, not just amongst um, or not just between white and black, mm-hmm. but also, you know, with Latino Americans, Asian Americans. Yep. And he's been significant um, in, you know, helping get the civil rights seminar going. And yep. then also all of them, um, like yeah. all the ethnicities. Then, yeah, since the civil rights seminar, there's been a, they've started a Latino yep. s- a seminar and then they started a Native American one. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I don't know if they've started it yet or if they're trying to start an yeah. Asian, yeah, Asian American one yep. as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like they're, you know, he's, he's a powerhouse and, uh, he, he's Love also the, the push for the GE, change of the GE curriculum. He has mm-hmm. emailed me several times yep. his proposal that he's created, which is great, and they need to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But he, he works overtime for BYU. Yeah, all the time. He's always trying to make it a better place, which is something that I don't know that many professors at BYU are trying to do. I think a lot of professors are just happy with you know showing up and teaching and, and you know just 
enjoying their careers but yeah. dr rue is really one of those professors who's actively working behind the scenes to try and make byu a more inclusive place for everyone and, and dr also knows his place like not in a rude way but he knows he's a white man mm -hmm. so yeah. he knows he can put himself out on the line more than like there are black professors who are trying to get tenure right? Right, right, right so he's like they can't do the things i can do so he goes out he says what he wants publish what he wants mm -hmm. makes his own graphs on his instagram everything like he's not playing with y'all and, he, is and he does not cut he does, he does not, not mince words no exactly and so and, but he does that because he knows that he can. Mm -hmm. And he knows that other professors who want to can't. And so he does it for them too, which I just admire. And I'm like, dang, just give me a piece of your brain, Dr. Roos, so that I can do something in the <laughs> world too because he's so smart. And I just, I, I, I love being around him and listening to the way he thinks. Cause I'm like, dang, I need to be like you when I grow up. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you can't tell, all of the positive experiences that we've had at BYU have had to do with our community and with the people that we've chosen to surround ourselves with. Our many, um, our many HBCU. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> many, we've, many, many. We've created, yeah, we've created many, our many. HBCU within a PWI. <laughs> what do we even call it? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't Jane know. Manning University. That's that's what okay. we call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's that's been it. And so, you know, the people that we've surrounded ourselves with have made all the difference in mm -hmm. our experience. Um, and, you know, before we chose to surround ourselves with people, it was an entirely different experience. So for anybody who's at BYU or who's thinking about going to BYU, just know that your experience can be, um, you know, there's going to be tough parts about it, but it's going to be tough anywhere you go. Um, but your experience can be that made that much better by the people that you surround yourself with. And that applies to life, too. But mm -hmm. we're talking about college specifically. Yeah. I'm going to miss my college years. I'm very, very emotional about it. It's hard for me to let go. I talk about this in therapy, getting a little personal, but I have a really hard time with change and a hard time of letting go. And so it's, even though BYU has been so hard in lots of ways, I think it's going to be really hard for me to let go of those good things and those good moments, but they aren't totally leaving me, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm moving with the, our other menace, Kanithia, after she graduates and um, these are the people that I would fly across the country to see. So, absolutely. And of course, before we go, we can't forget to talk about one of the greatest things coming out of BYU: um, the Black Menaces. Oh, period. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much everything about us. Everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to form the Black Menaces, and we've expressed, you know, to each other just how much of a difference that made in our lives. Yeah. Finishing out, you know, our 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 school year last year we started the black menaces in february and you know thank you so much for all the support that you've given us yes. because you've been able to help us grow our platform and be able to have the effect that we are having you know we are helping people to start conversations today on campus we had so many people coming up to us thanking us for the the, the changes that were um yep. the changes that we're trying to make and the, the work that we're doing and um you know, that's been incredible because, you know, you heard me earlier. I decided I wanted to go to law school to help empower marginalized people and things like that and to give them a voice. But being a, a black menace has been able to help me give people a voice a lot sooner than I thought I'd be able to. And so, yeah, being able to have that platform has been incredible. And then also being able to get to know these four uh, <laughs> young bloods. You're not so, young bloods. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, and, and I don't know if you feel this way. I feel, Nate, I feel like my best year in, in Utah at BYU has been this last year, mm. which is so weird. The year that I'm getting ready to leave, the time that I'm getting ready to transition away has been the time I felt the most safe, the most confident, the most comfortable. And, and that could be with age, too, and me getting to know myself better. Um, but I also contribute a lot of that to Black Menaces and what we've done and what we've been able to 
make within the black community, make within ourselves. And I'm really grateful for that because I don't think I felt more secure socially, more secure personally um, within myself and feeling like, okay, maybe this wasn't the worst choice in the world, right? And mm. it had really, it's helped me to also be more reflective of the positive things. And I'm super grateful for that. And again, it actually makes me be sad to leave Utah because yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. be leaving this. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's been great to just be able to, to spread awareness. I think it's been very therapeutic, at least for me. Yeah. Just being able to help other people see, um, even on some smaller scale, what it is that we experience. You know, uh, when we started the Black Menaces, my great-grandmother had just passed away. And the whole thing with Brad Wilcox had just happened. And there were a few other things going on that were just very tough at the time. So I was having a tough time. And um, we started Black Menaces. And it made a huge difference because when I tell you, I that whole last semester at BYU, I stopped going to class in the middle of February. And I think there was one class that I went to consistently. And all the rest of my class, I was taking 18 credits. All the rest of my classes I stopped attending um, that I had to. And then I had, I had a couple online. But it was just, I didn't even realize it, but I was under a lot of stress, a lot of strain, um, a lot of emotional, um, I guess just a lot of emotional pressures. Right. And so I didn't have anywhere to put all of those things and it just got to me. But Black Menaces was kind of like an outlet. It was kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. I finally have a way to at least let out a little bit of this, uh, what I'm feeling and to show other people like this is not all sunshine and rainbows. And we are going through something here. And then to be able to spread that to other PWIs around the country, it was incredible. So, yeah, Yeah. Black Menaces definitely made a huge difference and probably helped me finish school because I consider dropping out more than once. No, literally. It kept me going. We've talked about this several times Mm -hmm. as a group. I don't know if we've said anything on the podcast about it, but we all were, like, going through our own mental health issues at that time. I was going through um, a breakup, and that was really tough. And just, like, dealing with my own mental health stuff after that and just, like, personally and just, like, what is life? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... Um, I literally had no desire to attend school. I had no desire to wake up. I would literally like, call my mom and be like, I can literally not like function. Like, I don't know what to do. And being with Black Menaces gave me a purpose to get up every day. It gave me a purpose to do my hair. It gave me a purpose to do my makeup, which is so weird. And like, I'm not gonna get emotional talking about it, but like, it gave me a reason to live almost. Um, and so, and it came like perfectly. I made a TikTok about this, um, but like it, and and it wasn't even the success of it. Like, put that aside. Mm-hmm. It was just the fact that I, I felt like people were listening to us. It wasn't about the numbers. It was like, wow, people see and value me, and the hard experiences that I'm having, just as a black person at this campus, on top of my other personal issues that people deal with in college. And that was. That took me to a different level. And it brought me these other wonderful people that I became close with. Amen to that. Love it. Thank you, guys. (laughs) With that. You know, there was one thing. Oh, go ahead. That listener letter that we got to the... Oh, yeah. You want to talk about it? (laughs) Go ahead. You talk about it. it. All right. So if you watch our videos on TikTok, um, we recently posted a couple of videos uh, just showing all of the hate mail that we receive. Um, I guess you can call it hate mail. I don't know. Really, it's just haters, weird people, right? Um, people who write in and say that we're the real racist. Somebody told us that we were, that we were a modern day version of the Ku Klux Klan. I was like, man, I think I already talked about that. But I was like, man, come on now. But um, there was one man who wrote in 
Um, and he made sure to emphasize that he was the father of biracial kids instead of, you know, which just meant that he was white. Um, he talked about how he dated a black woman and married a black woman and he had biracial kids and they said that they've never felt as unsafe at BYU and all of these things. And um, saying that, you know, we're, we're, inf we're creating more of a problem by saying that BYU is an unsafe place and all of this. Uh, you know, basically just saying that our experiences are not valid and right. that uh, based on his experience as a white man with his with biracial children, um, our experience is invalid. And so this uh, wonderful individual wrote in uh, to to talk about that. And so I just want to go to this part here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she said to the dad to that dad with the biracial kids. You, pr you may think your kids don't experience racism or anything at BYU, but that's because they don't tell you about it. You've made it clear that you are not a safe space to confide in about this stuff. They absolutely do experience it, and I'm willing to bet daily, but they don't tell you about it. Or they try to ignore it so that they don't want to, ad so that they don't want to admit that it was racism, so that they don't have to process and deal with those feelings of discomfort. Mm -hmm. But they absolutely do experience racism at BYU. The Duke versus BYU volleyball game is yet another example of racism in this country, but within the LDS church out of millions. Very true. You know, there may be people who say that racism doesn't exist at BYU, but mm -hmm. if they say that, then the perspective that they're coming from is not a fair one, nor is it a, a truthful one. Because there is, in fact, racism at BYU. There's racism everywhere. And to say that it doesn't exist... That's literally a, false. Yeah, that's a perspective that I, I can't I can't rationalize with. Now you can argue the racism that you may experience personally, um, and all those kinds of things. And you know, based on your own experience, it could be, it, ver it varies from person to person. There are people who have had very different experience at BYU than I have. Yep. Who had a much more positive experience with the institution itself. Yep. And there are people who have had more similar experiences to me. Um, and so I think you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that: the way that you grew up, where you were raised. Um, you know what your family looks like what you look like all of those things make a difference but um, yeah you know everybody has a different experience but there are certain experience you, you can't invalidate anybody else's experience if that makes mm -hmm. sense and so I think that's important to know don't ever invalidate someone else just because you haven't experienced something or you're not aware of something doesn't mean that it's not going on right we go through the world uh, on a daily basis completely unaware of people's life experiences and the things that are going on right beneath our noses. So we really can't say what exists and what doesn't exist. Yeah. And we say that all the time. Like we always admit that we're speaking for ourselves and that there are students who've had more positive experiences than us. And so I just hope people from, you know, people who have those more positive experiences can also acknowledge that people have had worse and, and more negative experiences and that's okay too. And we try to leave space for both. Mm -hmm. Also can't emphasize it enough. We don't talk in our videos. So we just ask questions. We don't share our opinions. Not at we all. We just let people at BYU talk. It, our, our podcast is the most we've talked about our feelings about things and things. So, mm -hmm. so if you want to know more about us as people and our viewpoints on life and things like that, come listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. But don't just take that from the videos because we just ask questions and you all draw <laughs> your own conclusions. But we love you anyway. Yeah. yeah. And with that note, we'll close it out. Yeah. We love y'all. Thanks for the support. Be sure to subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms the black menaces at tiktok instagram and twitter and also to subscribe to the patreon and we're actually switching Society. that soon oh, yeah. we will announce next episode mm -hmm. we'll let you know more about that upcoming we mm -hmm. want to interact more with y'all and patreon is good but we want to be able to interact with you on a more personal basis so we're going to switch mm -hmm. over to a new platform so we'll let you know more about that um feel free to re donate to us on venmo the link is on all of our our social media platforms mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, if you're interested in helping out with anything or if you have a menace moment or an experience that you'd like to share with us, please DM us um, or email us at blackmenacespodcast at gmail.com. Hey, we got it finally. Yeah. And with that, uh, we'll just let y'all know we love you and never forget. Always be a menace. Always. Thank you.